Defining Connection Economy Radio. This is Tribe FM. Okay, so here we are for the ninth in our series of 12, all about the power of free. And Mr. Barnes, where do we kick off today? Mr. Black, we're talking about the currency of attention and um, coming up to date with, uh, well, how more and more relevant it is given the passage of time, right? The whole idea about um, uh, the internet being the world's biggest copying machine essentially means that access to information is legion and uh, there's only so much time on the flip side of that uh, information to be allocated to consuming it and therefore uh, never before has uh, the value of attention been more pronounced I believe the internet's you know rolling on an array of knots and um, when you uh, understand the true value of attention then you've got to think about the way that your proposition is configured on the internet mm. to harness um, and at least, well, well, harness people's attention, but that capture their attention in the first place. So more than ever, you need to be, especially need to be unique. You need to be remarkable, as, Don, mm. as, um, as Seth Golding says, you know, be outstanding, be standing out. Um, one, one of the things that uh, I've been fascinated by is that book that you suggested I read on fitness payoffs and how even though we believe we are uh, smart and astute and that we have uh, come forward from our ancestors, our brain is exactly the same brain that we had uh, when we first started roaming the planet. And all we do is aim to survive. And even though the social cues that we uh, recognize now, when you walk down a street in New York, you see 10,000 faces and perhaps you uh, are less uh, afraid of seeing faces uh, than when you were perhaps living in a cave and saw a face coming up, you would probably be a bit more frightened. Uh, the idea of the fitness payoff is still as applicable now as it was then. Yeah, you know, I mean, um, one of the one of the great wonders I think that I've really come across highlighted in you know that book that. Um, We've all been programmed. We didn't realize it, but, you know, when we're born, we, we come into this world with basically a blank slate, right? And as we grow up uh, and we, you know, mature uh, through the seven stages of life, the person that we ultimately become is ultimately predicated on the programs that we've received. You know, we get programmed as a, as a small baby and we get programmed... Uh, as a as a toddler, um, you know, we forge our way through life by uh, consuming information that is put at us, and and we make sense of it, and then we kind of adjust and um, uh, twist our behaviour to sort of you know try and fathom uh, what is an acceptable way of behaving. And as we sort of move through life, all the inputs that come from um, external sources go to make up who we are. And uh, naturally, that programming is is, is is as a result of the circumstances that we find ourselves in our lives. And um, that then begs the question in the final analysis: Well, if we understand that we are a, we are a um, a product of the programming that we've received, 
then should we be giving our attention to those programs that are potentially not in our best interest if mm. we've had a chance to reflect on what we may have you know learned from um, operating those programs and so um, tying that back to fitness payoff which is this idea that as you move through the world you uh, and and, uh, and, the, and the experience that you have in life you're you're looking for cues and signals for um uh, things that are going to empower you to progress from an evolutionary perspective because you can't properly make sense of everything that's going on around you, everything that could potentially command your attention. Mm. Um, simply don't have the processing, the bandwidth to be able to do that. You've got to make some sort of sense of you know the programs that are coming at you. Mm. Uh, and that then you know denotes how your attention is best placed. And and the fitness payoff from an evolutionary perspective ties absolutely perfectly into this idea of of you know the the currency of attention, and uh, and the fact that the rapid growth of information causes uh, a scarcity of attention. And so, as I say, if you're going to be um, if you're going to be successful in the connection economy, you've got to appreciate the true value of attention and uh, and direct it where it best belongs. Mm. Okay, so uh, tell me a little bit about that value that we should ascribe to attention. Well, you know, um, economies are governed by what's scarce, and information on the internet is not only abundant, but it's overflowing and we're drowning in the stuff. Mm. And so knowing that we... um, in a, in a, knowing that in a full-fledged attention economy, the goal is simply to get enough attention or as much attention as possible so that your proposition can be outstanding and can stand out and mm. can deliver uh, from a fitness payoff perspective that which people are looking for. They've, they've diverted their attention to you because they're looking for something that's going to help them answer a question or solve a problem. And um, it's incumbent upon you as the connection economy entrepreneur that's positioning yourself to um, be first in line to help solve that problem, to equip yourself in such a way that you can um, gain their attention, earn their own people's attention. And that, that necessarily means that you understand why people are coming to see you right on the web, what they're looking for. And mm. um, once they've kind of you know come across you and your proposition, what can you do for them? And that boils down to, as we say, ad nauseum, right? It's about answering questions and helping to solve problems. Mm. Now, if we go if we go to an example, and I, I know that using examples as analogies allow, allows us to understand it all a little bit better. Um, and say we talk about, let's say, an industrial psychologist, and she has worked in the corporate world um, her whole career. She now realizes the world has changed and she needs to find a new way to market her skills. I know we've discussed being a purple cow and being remarkable, as Seth Godin says. What would you say the difference then is between uh, between being that purple cow for that first bite of attention and then maintaining attention? Well, okay. Um, you only want to you want to maintain attention to the extent that you're able to create a relationship. Mm. Once you've created a relationship, the way that you've acquitted yourself, then you can deal with that relationship in the way that you would normally deal with that relationship. So if you were historically um, 
say using one industrial economy modality to gain people's attention so that they knew that you know you existed and that they could find their way to you so that you could help them solve the problem mm. um that dynamic after you've gained their attention and ultimately you know created the catalyst of a relationship it's just about the normal relationship building exercise i mean just to give you an example you know in the in the immigration space so we as you know um we have a, an extensive website uh, full of content that's positioned specifically to answer questions and help solve problems and the way that the um sort of natural seo dimension to that has been configured means that you know we're able to corral people's attention because uh, they're ready to give it to us because they've typed that query into google and we've appeared right in front of them as a means to solving that problem so um, essentially what happens um, in, in our context anyway is that people will um, find their way onto our website as a result of that particular question, that particular problem that they needed uh, addressing, and then then they'll see what we're all about as a result of how we've acquitted ourselves in the way that we deliver um, the entire website experience to them now that we've got their attention. Mm. Um, and the next logical thing for them to do if we've earned their trust uh, or at least their confidence if not yet trust is to um just um, engage with them in a way like we would normally do in a typical industrial economy manner ostensibly what happens is that i'll get a question that comes in um either i'll answer it directly i'll either post it on the blog or one of my colleagues will will, will i'll forward on to my colleagues to answer because they're they're well equipped to answer it but that's that's the beginning of a relationship right mm. and if it's apparent to me through you know that exchange that we are best off actually speaking to the customer um or the prospect or the person who's answering the question rather than just sort of leaving it down to the level of email we will call and we will speak and we will then engender all the normal dynamics of you know offline relationship building through that act of you know reaching out being generous um putting us differentiating ourselves from you know others that would would normally um uh, would, would normally equip themselves in a typical industrial economy way where we are just generous and we make ourselves uh, we basically deliver ourselves into their lap and say you know, we have a we have a demarcation between paid and unpaid, and that is basically when we pick up a pen, and you know, you're going to instruct us, and we're going to get paid. But prior to that, we'll spend whatever time we want, or whatever time we need, on the telephone hmm. with you, you know, um, helping you along, achieve the the goals and objectives that uh, that that brought you, you know, that brought you to us in the first place, and uh, led you to giving us your attention in the first place. So really, it's it's just about harnessing what the web can do in such a way that you break down all the barriers to potentially having a relationship and then you would uh, convert that relationship into a commercial relationship in the normal way that you do and that's exactly how we do it in in hong kong immigration one of the um slides that you shared with me that had a, a graphic on it that uh, really resonated with me was two people standing i think on on pretty much um, like a snowball and it forms one of those Venn diagrams where uh, the one person has what you want to say and the other person has what they're really interested in and where those two things intersect is all about relevancy. 
Oh, indeed. Yeah, it's all about relevancy because, well, firstly, from a you know a well-established internet sort of dynamic perspective, uh, the consumer will stick around. The longer on site, the more likely they're, they are to take an action if you're being relevant. But more importantly, because of the... Um, you know, absolute value in people's attention these days. You can't be messing around, you know, not being relevant. If you're going to this tr all of this trouble to seek to get people's attention en route to um, having a relationship with them, if you are not right on the money in terms of giving them exactly what it is that they need uh, that has, you know, brought them to you in the first place, then, you know, you're, you're fighting the battle with two hands tied behind your back. Mm. Um, and answering questions and solving problems is the obvious way, right? I mean, it's um, I don't think I don't think too many website proprietors really think deeply about what role their website plays in their business. And in terms of professional services, mm -hmm. expert know-how services, um, the, the the relationship begins with putting yourself out there as as obviously being knowledgeable, um, trustworthy. And uh, and not out to pick their pockets, and you know that means that you've got a web presence that, that acquits acquits itself to be generous and to be transparent in terms of you know the role that it plays and what it's all about. I, I, I you know being a an ardent publisher, as you know, I, I spend uh, a, a, we've spent a lot of effort and energy and uh, and configuration in making sure that our immigration presence is everything that it could possibly be from the user's perspective. But me as a consumer, when I go onto people's websites, I'm still, for the most part, completely surprised by the fact that nobody has really given and paid any any heed to, you know, why I might be looking for them. And once once you know I've been able to get onto their radar, how they can acquit themselves so that I would de definitely want to deal with them rather than somebody else. Surely, mm -hmm. part of my my web searching and whatever is functional. Um, but sometimes I'm looking for particular solutions and it might cross my mind, you know, we've got a problem in this area of our business. And we've, whilst we've got a, a wide and broad skill set on team, actually, you know, this particular small thing that I need, a, that I need a solution to. And I'd like to have a relationship with somebody that I can access and I can progress, you know, to the goal that has brought me looking for someone to help me with this particular challenge um as a consumer I, for the most part i'm not finding it and it doesn't seem to have sort of filtered into the ether yet that that this is what the web's all about right mm. there was a phrase that you um said to me i think a couple of weeks ago and you said a lot of people consider the internet as just a place to put brochure with so it's just a new place to advertise the way that they advertised before and it's static. So yeah, so let let me tell you about that. Right, one of my earliest um, observations in being uh, an entrepreneur, and I'm I'm taking you back now, Jason, '93. Um, pure industrial economy. Didn't even have a website. Didn't even have email when we started. Right. So I used to come out of Yaomate Station, the MTR, the subway station in Hong Kong, uh, at nine o'clock in the morning to go to the office and standing just just inside the uh the exit to the mtr as it goes onto the street would would be guys hanging out handing out um little flyers right for whatever it is that they were trying to 
promote. Mm. And that two steps after the uh, I've been handed the MTR, this, this flyer in the MTR, once I'm outside the MTR, on the floor, were basically all of these flyers. And so it just seemed a completely ridiculous exercise of marketing for me to send a couple of people there to try and force these flyers into people's hands. They've got, you know, you're demanding their attention effectively for, for a microsecond, just to the point where you have a look at it and then you drop it on the floor because you're not interested in it and then you move on. Mm. And I always thought to myself, what an absolute waste of time. If this is how you're supposed to command people's attention so that, you know, you can sell them stuff, it clearly doesn't work. It manifestly doesn't work. So why are people still doing it? Hmm. So that, that that really stuck with me. And uh, it was an early lesson. And I always thought, well, okay, that's not going to work. So how else can I gain people's attention? Now, there aren't, back then, there weren't too many um, options because it was all pre-internet, as I say. And uh, I was stuck with having to advertise in the South China Morning Post and the Japanese language newspaper called the Hong Kong Post, which the advertisement expenses for that was equal to my rent each month. It's like, oh, wow, you know, I have to spend so much money trying to get customers. So, you know, with the advent of the Internet, 1996, lo and behold, I'm going to write this book and I'm going to put it on the web because my publisher back then went went bankrupt and they didn't have anywhere else to put it. And it just so happened that one of my other clients was one of uh, Hong Kong's first internet service providers. So I was there there in an office above mine, and um, they ran a cable down from their office to my office, and I had my own server in 1996 in my office, right, mm. running on Novell. And uh, and we put the first version of the Hong Kong Visa Handbook on there. And, uh, uh, you know, that was the time when the internet, the search engine, I should say, uh, landscape was absolutely immature. And the way that most of the early search engines were working was the more text you had on a particular subject matter, the higher the rank you would get. So I had like 400 pages on Hong Kong immigration and I stuck it on the web and bingo, we just won. Mm -hmm. We absolutely won. And I solved a few problems at the same time as uh, I was able to gain people's attention through that. The first big problem that I solved was this idea that you give a free consultation. So somebody's got a visa problem and they'll, they don't they don't know what it's all about, right? So they'll they want to come and see you, but you can't charge them for that time, or you shouldn't charge them for that time. And that was certainly not my my posture. Mm. Um, so I would uh, I'd have to spend an hour with them and figuring out what was going on. And half of the time, they would just take the information and run and uh, and, and go off and sort of do it by themselves, which was fair enough. That was the game. That's how it was played. Then you win some, you lose some. But once I was able to, you know, gain people's attention in the way that I, I I was able through, you know, the Hong Kong Visa Handbook at that time, I was able to basically dispense with the free consultation because I could say to punters when they were calling me uh, wanting a free consultation, I would say, no, no, look, okay, like, this is how it works, right? You don't have to pay me anything. Everything you need is free. Go to the website, figure it all out. Once you see what it's all about, knowing that you're not going to have to pay, and this is a solution to your problem, you know, do do it. You know, that's what it's designed for. Use our resources. But if you do need professional help, then give me a call. 
So I was able to field, you know, a lot of um, uh, screen out a lot of tire kickers that way, and it just meant that the practice became that much more efficient. And it also meant that those people who were directed onto the to our free resources, they were able to conclude for themselves through the consumption of um, of, of of our content that that this was something that whilst it might practically be within their reach to do and to follow the guidance and what have you. Actually, what they really want is to pay somebody to do it because they realize it's a bit of a project and uh, there's more to it than meets the eye. And it's clear that we know what we're talking about because we wouldn't put it on the web in the first place, right? Mm. So that that just changed the whole sort of dynamic. And as I've said previously, the period between 1996 and 2000 was the time that made me as a result of the growth of that immigration business in that time. Okay, so... If we have a look at how um, attention is garnered in this day and age, let's let's ignore for a minute uh, social media platforms that people scroll up and down. If you take Facebook, for example, people are just looking at their feed and they're things that uh, grab their attention. But that's more for entertainment rather than for uh, fulfilling a need. If you have a need and you go to Google and you type your need into the search box, you're going to come up with 10 billion other pages. How do you ensure, besides all of the other um, approaches that you've taken for answering questions and solving problems, grab their attention on that first page? Well, I'll say, so the overall design of the proposition when they come onto your website, right, you have to be something more than just in the page that and um, that contains the answer to the question that they're seeking, mm. um, that, that that brought them to you in the first place, right? So there's there's all kinds of things that you can do. You know, you've got a platform of content, so you make it apparent when they've landed on that page that they can access your content in in myriad different ways, recognizing that you've got a, a body of material that covers all possible bases in your particular niche and, and an, an acute understanding of how people experience the problem that you exist to solve um, such that the, um, the, the the way into the body of content that you've got is configured in, in through a variety of different prisms. Like right? So if you land on one of our pages, you, you surely get the answer, but you also get start here if you are. Mm. And then there's um, a whole list of different sort of visa scenarios that present themselves that people can relate to. So that uh, after they've consumed that particular piece of content on that page, they can say to themselves, well, okay, I know what that's all about now. And I can glance over and I can see here that um, I am an employee. So I'm going to click I am an employee. And then that takes you down a sort of, in a sense, a, a pathway into your content in a way that uh, sort of anticipates that you are a person who's an employee who's got a particular problem. So then that means you slice and dice it out existing employee in Hong Kong with a visa or are you new to Hong Kong say as a visitor um, with a job offer in hand and so you need a visa and so they're, they're, they're like, you then bifurcate into your content pool through you know those two particular sort of uh, channels as a result of knowing that there are two types of people that, that are here at this point wanting to know about employment visas and then and then there might be uh, that person might well be a uh, someone who's generally interested in uh, employment visa information, perhaps because uh, the, in the future they may, you know, feel empowered to get a visa if they know what the thing's all about. It, 
represents as a represents them as an opportunity to learn and and, and create new uh, you know new new scenarios for themselves and so so on that same page you've got a simple easy to see link that takes you to like um, you know the, uh, the the top ten things that most people ask about Hong Kong employment visas. So instead of wading your way through the content from either of the early two sort of bifurcated channels that I mentioned, you just click straight onto the top ten pieces of content that uh, that cover the top ten things that generally appraise. And so you know you get them on the page, and then recognizing that they're on the page, you say, well, I've got all this other material. How can I how can I curate and organize it and how can I make it visually attractive so that they're going to want to scout around and have a look at it uh, a little bit more detail. So, mm. you know, we've got a do-it-yourself guide, sorry, do-it-yourself kit, uh, and I have a puppet that promotes the do-it-yourself kit. Uh, and depending on which website of our three websites that you're on, there's a blue one, a green one, and an orange one. My personal blog is the orange one, and we designed it orange specifically because what I learned when I was developing the proposition that orange is a bright color, right? It, it commands people's attention. It makes you stand out. So mm. so it's just sort of, you know, uh, having have, having a mindset towards your, your content proposition and how people can access it, knowing what your, what ground zero is for each of, uh, each of the people that are coming into your website just encourages them to stay on site, encourages them to click more, encourages them to learn more, right? It's all there for them, but doesn't demand too much of them in terms of fathoming out, you know, where stuff is and why they should want to click. So there's a bit of, bit of, a bit of art in that, mm. but it's intelligent content marketing and it's governed, you know, on all our websites and it ultimately it's, it's driven by the power of free and generosity. Mm. Now you said uh, when you first embarked on this journey in 94, it was all about quantity and you had 400 pages, but I think uh, it's fair to say now that it's really all about the quality. So explain a little bit about your uh, content quality scale and well, 10 it's about times action, content. It's about yeah, it's about actionable content first and foremost, right? Every piece of content that we put on our immigration website is designed to help people action the problem that they've got. And that's not just educating them and giving them information. It's giving them, uh, you know, the all of the application forms in one place, all of the checklists that you would need, detailing um, via a podcast for each particular item on a checklist. Why is that checklist there? What's it all about? Mm. Um, giving them the application forms. And the application forms themselves would appear at first blush to be pretty straightforward. But actually, there are nuances as to, you know, what sort of information you're going to put in those application forms. And so, you know, we produced a, a podcast about a screen, a screencast, in actual fact, um, against each of the application forms, going through section by section what that what the immigration department are actually asking for here and what the red flags are and what you know things you need to be mindful of and all the rest of that good stuff. So, so essentially, it's about it's about producing a proposition that, that that's actionable. They can they can press a button and they can print out the forms and there they are, right? They're right in front of you, and then you can listen to podcasts and you can understand why, you know, as you go as you're filling out the form, exactly why um, the forms are configured in that way. And and then you've got relevant sort of case studies that have 
been um, generated down the months and years that you've been um, answering questions in the way that you have and you can then curate the relevant sort of questions that have been asked previously and have been answered via podcast and append it to that section of where they're focusing their attention as they progress through uh, your material so that they can actually get this job done without paying for any professional help mm. and it's that dynamic that 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 encourages the early part of the relationship building exercise because a surprised because no one is doing this stuff be the relieved because they've actually got a resource that's that's going to get absolutely to the heart of solving their problem and see most importantly they've got they've got the prospect of a relationship with with the with the people who are producing this material they don't understand why we're producing the material in the way that we are because they don't understand the power of free but at least they are minded minded towards reaching out to us so that we can then engage in the normal relationship you know building exercise which then converts into in, into revenues as a result of you know having products and services that they can buy that are different from everything else that's, that's out there and those products and services are empowered as a result of you having developed having developed the content proposition in the first place so it's just truly all remarkable and it's worthy of their attention mm. and i think the fact that you acquit yourself in that fashion i think most people give you a huge amount of credit and kudos for recognizing that you haven't wasted their time that you have you have appreciated the value of attention they may not be thinking about it in terms of you know we recognizing the value of their attention that's why we've acquitted ourselves that way but there's some innate sense that they've got um out of the experience that they've had with our web proposition thus far that it's been worth their time worth their while we're, we're people worth dealing with they're not going to go anywhere else they want to talk to us mm. and i suppose the precursor to all of that and part of our next segment of course is do you actually have the permission well that's it right and the beauty is that if you answer questions and help solve problems you dominate organic search um you have their permission if you are um if you've acquitted yourself in a way such that they realize oh um these people i need to connect with these i need to stay with these guys i want to deal with them the the permission is implied we've we've won the the right to their attention and then um in that in that guys obviously we've we've earned uh, we've earned permission 